Hi, welcome to Anton Knows. I'm your host, Anton. This is episode 26, and we're going to still continue our journey with the TARDIS at the Peter Davidson years. The Doctor Who had changed a lot throughout the years, and television had changed with it, and so John Niffin Turner wanted that too. He uh, changed his title sequence during the Tom Baker years, and he brought in a new Doctor. Peter Davidson never thought he would be the new Doctor ever. He thought that maybe he'd get a small part in one episode, and that would be it. He was a part of a show called All Creatures Great and Small, which is a classic BBC series that ran here on PBS about these two brothers that ran a veterinarian uh, practice. And uh, his name was Tristan. He was sort of this young, happy, always getting involved in romance uh, stories. When Jennifer Turner met with him, he said, how would I play the character? How would I play the part? He says, he says just play him the way you normally play him. And he says, you mean you want me to play him like Tristan? He says, yes. So that's what he went through. Tom Baker's doctor was invincible the invincible doctor who could never be beaten. And Peter Davidson had a little more vulnerability, more the idea of a romantic doctor, a kinder doctor, a doctor who always wanted to see good in people and help people. He uh, delivers lines like, he goes, so you're going to kill me. Oh, what an interesting uh, to the situation. Things like that. The kindest doctor who would end up in the most violent situations. Doctor who was changing that too, as TV was changing more evidence towards uh, action and a little more heavier level of violence because uh, gone with the days of the show being more of a family show and more towards a science fiction show with a little more grittier and a little more mysteriousness, a little more edgier and a little more weird. So where do we start? We start from the beginning. The Doctor looked a little different. He wears... This uh, cricket outfit is a Victorian uh, cricket outfit. Have you ever seen Chariots of Fire where these British young men are running around with this V-neck and these uh, white or tannish cricket suits with red stripes? And he had a celery stick in his lapel. We'll explain about that as we get towards uh, the end. They never explained it until the last uh, group of episodes. So, Castrovalva. The master has set a trap for the doctor because this regeneration has been very traumatizing and it's very, uh, he's very vulnerable in this spot. Uh, so he says to his companions, I'm going to need all three of you to help me through this regeneration. Tegan, you're a great organizer. Nissa, you're a scientist and you're a kind. And Adric, you have your mathematical skill. So I'm going to need all three of you to help me. Okay. Peter Davidson also was inspired by Patrick Troughton's doctor, a little more, you know, in that idea that he didn't exactly know what he was doing, but he would do it anyway. So he sets a trap for this place called Castrovolve. Against we get the master in disguise who's taken over this planet, and the planet is slowly kind of congealing onto itself. Have you ever seen that famous painting? of these stairways that seem to go on and on and on and uh, end up in circles or end up in uh, nowhere. That's what inspired it for this episode. 
In the end, the master gets trapped and the doctor escapes. Now, what's interesting is Castrovolva was shot second, while Ford of Doomsday was shot first. Peter Davidson said he didn't do a very good job acting-wise in this episode, but that's regardless. Ford of Doomsday. Now, all through these early episodes, Tegan is worried about her job. I guess she doesn't know that the TARDIS is a time machine, and it could take you to any place. It could take you before you left, or take you where you needed to go. So this time they head for a ship that's four days out of Earth, run by a giant frog creature known as Majesty. He's visited Earth many times before and had um, captured or taken whole bunches of people from different eras of Earth's history. A Greek philosopher, uh, a Chinese uh, nobleman, uh, some Greek soldiers, a, uh, a, a group, a woman from India, and they're all going to represent their people. So the doctor is wondering, why do these people, uh, how can they have lived so long on this long space journey? And it turns out that they're androids, that their bodies have been replaced by androids. He called it the flesh time, so they could live. He needs the silicon trips. And he also has a deadly poison that can reduce you to the size of a teardrop. Okay? Interesting fun fact about uh, Mestor's makeup. When they, to make his face look puffy, they used condoms. I'm not joking. Green condoms along with the green makeup. It's very, very bizarre. Uh, So they want to turn, he hypnotizes Nissa and puts her in this machine where she's going to be processed into an android. Of course, the, the doctor uh, stops it. Okay? Everybody loves this episode, but I'm not a big fan of it. It's called The Kinda. It's a very weird episode about these space colonists. They're trying to find out uh, if this planet is suitable for humans to, to live there. But ancient powers are growing there. Tegan gets separated from the rest of them and gets possessed by the Mara this ancient evil that inhabited a giant snake and sort of suppresses itself inside Tegan in order to escape. Uh, So this old woman wants the doctor to use this power uh, to to do this. This one fellow who is a part of the expedition goes crazy and builds a colony out of cardboard and even builds people. So you can't mend people, as he says. So it's good and has some good parts of it. But I'm not a big uh, uh, fan of that episode. And then the Visitation. Visitation was inspired by what happened in England, the, the plague. And during that time period, a uh, comet or an asteroid passed by the Earth. The people during that time looked on this as a bad omen. And in this story, it is. It's a crashed spaceship with these creatures called the Terraptiles. They're aliens who are fugitives from their own people and they're prisoners. So they're using mind control on people and they're going to make the Black Death even worse. As the doctor says, the poor black rat is flea. Augmenting it into making it even more deadlier so that it would uh, destroy all of mankind, basically. 
so they could take over the planet. The doctor tries to convince the Terrapto leader that this is foolish, they shouldn't do this, but he, to his uh, no avail that they won't uh, do it. Uh, he takes over the villagers. The doctor teams up with an actor we'll see later in Doctor Who as a fellow named Richard Mace, who was like a highwayman or a robber, used to be an actor. Doctor does some pretty incredible things, too, and they find some power packs. We see the end of the sonic screwdriver in this era. The reason why they did this was because they thought, well, the doctor has another one somewhere stashed in a kitchen drawer, right? But the writers felt, well, every time the doctor gets locked up, he'll use his trusty sonic screwdriver to get out of it. And they uh, said, no we got to get rid of it. It's too easy for him to get out of situations. And then they put him in a situation and they couldn't get him out of it because he didn't have the Sonic with him. They should have just given him a, an updated, more model. I think that would have been uh, better. I have one of Peter Davidson's there. It looks uh, great. What does the Great London Fire have to do with this episode? Watch it and find out. And the Black Orchid. A lot of people don't like this episode, but I do. I love Agatha Christie murder mysteries, and especially locked-roomed murder mysteries. So the doctor is reported a regular MD, and he's thought, oh, uh, you're the doctor that's here to go and uh, replay, uh, get the man to uh, play for us, and you're going to do this. So he goes and plays cricket, and he wins the match for them. They all go to a house to a party, and it's like fancy dress. That means like everybody dresses up in a costume. Locked up in the uh, one of the servants' quarter rooms is a uh, scarred young man who was engaged to this young girl. Uh, who was a man, and she's a double for Nissa. The actress that plays Nissa plays a dual role. It uh, has some really. Great stuff, and the solving of the mystery, and the doctor gets blamed, and also has to uh, prove to the police force that he's a time lord, and he rides with them with the TARDIS back to the mansion. We also get to see lots of cool old cars, and we get to see them in uh, the British BBC. Always does great period pieces, so think Hercule Poirot, but instead of him showing up, the doctor shows up. That's what's great about Doctor Who. Now a classic. I watch this episode every time I'm not feeling great or I'm in a very sad mood. because. And I'll say, to want to watch Doctor Who? Or I want to introduce someone to the series. Either I go for a classic Tom Baker or I go for this one, Earthshock. What's great about Earthshock is, is not only is the redesignation of the Cybermen, they make them look like uh, soldiers. And, and the uniforms basically look like that is because the Royal Air Force let them use flight suits from their uh, pilots. That's why they have that hose and look that way, right? And they look great. You do see a little a bit of this uh, actor's chin inside the helmet. They did that purposely to make it seem that the Cybermen were still a little bit human in many ways. The guns on the heads are gone. The silly blaster 
looking things are gone, they may give them proper blasters, which are lethal. The also the best part of this episode is the introduction to one of their best actors, David Banks. Well, who's he, you might ask? He plays the cyber leader. In later episodes in this era and all through the remaining eras, he becomes the cyber leader forever. If you listen to Big Finish right now, which our Doctor Who audio plays, you can see, uh, you hear him as the uh, cyber leader uh, there. And I think that's an uh, awesome addition. He was so great with the Cybermen, he wrote a book about them called The Cybermen. And then wrote a novel called uh, Iceberg, which talks about uh, a future where the Cybermen are frozen underneath the ice with uh, Sylvester McCoy's uh, Doctor, part of the New Adventures. The episode is pretty simple. A group of uh, an archaeologist is the only survivor of one expedition. The space marines in the future go to help her, but their equipment is a little old. In these dark, distant caves, there are plenty of dinosaur fossils and androids. Faceless androids who have deadly weapons built in. If you get shot by them, you disintegrate. What are they guarding? They're guarding a hatch. And inside this hatch is a bomb that if it went off, the few people that did survive would be completely and utterly miserable. The doctor has an argument with Adric because he wants to go back to e-space. And he said, there's no taxi service that brings you back and forth. And so I could plot a course. I said, I'm not going to be standing here while you plot a course to your own destruction. So he lands in the caves, and of course they get blamed for everything, but they battle the androids. The big reveal is the Cybermen are in Sector 16. The Doctor and the Space Marines go to Sector 16 to find out. They find a crew of a freighter, which are unaware, were carrying 16,000 silos. 16,000 Cybermen. One of the best lines in the episode, Tom... The cyber leader turns to the doctor and says, My army awaits, doctor. An invasion force. Safe passage. So the captain of the ship wants to stop it, but she said, Can we jettison the whole? Nope, Cybermen don't need air. In the end, Adric sacrifices himself, but unknowing that this was all supposed to happen when the ship jumps time warp because they tried to crack the three logic codes. It crashes into the earth, bringing an end to the dinosaurs and bringing the age of mammals into existence. It has probably one of the most violent ends in Doctor Who history. Okay, how do you follow an episode like that up? And with no closing music, by the way, the last episode just shows uh, Matthew Waterhouse's uh, Adric's uh, Shattered Star for Mathematical Excellence on the floor. That's it. The next episode is Time Flight. So it's kind of like swept under the rug in a way. He says, oh, um, can we, uh, they're going to go see the Great Exhibition, okay, in Hyde Park during this big uh, time. And they just more or less check it off like a shopping list. The cyber fleet is dispersed. Uh, everybody else gets returned to their own time. And 
and, and Tegan says, can't we just go back and save Adric? And he says, no, you can't interfere with history. Something else might interfere with it. So they just let it go. So in this episode, they finally make it back to Heathrow Airport. And uh, the famous airplane, the Concorde, which could fly supersonic, uh, disappears into a time corridor. Somebody opened it, and the doctor says, can't have an electrical hazard there. So he uses his unit connections to tell the people at Heathrow that they're going to have to uh, go take another flight, same flight, same course. They find through this, and who's there, sitting there like a spider in a web? It's a fellow named Shojid, who is really, I mean, Shoji, who is really the master. No, doctor, you never did. He was melting people down to put them into the sarcophagus of the Zeraphim. This, this professor they find who is, uh, knows about hypnosis said, thinks that they're hallucinating and that they're somewhere behind the Iron Curtain, but they're trapped in uh, time. But the master seems like that. It, at one point, uh, the, the sarcophagus, because his engine for this TARDIS was running down, disappears, and then the doctor turns to his two companions and says, the master has finally defeated me, but not so. It seems that the parts that he stole from the doctor's TARDIS were compatible with his. So they have to make a, a swap in order to free the passengers and everybody get back to their own time. The master gets trapped on another planet where the Xerophan lived, and he's trapped there. And let's hope this time it's for good. Tegan gets left behind, hoping that's where she wanted to stay, right? Well, not. The Ark of Infinity. The Ark of Infinity is a great episode. We go back to Gallifrey again. It would have been a pity. I would have been neat to see this, to see them see uh, Leela and K9 again. Why didn't they write them into this episode? I, I don't know. They do mention her, though. So, the president and uh, Barusa and the Castie and this other lady are all there. President Barusa, now the doctor's old teacher, is now the leader of the High Council of the Time Lords. And so, he is trying uh, to do this. But a member of the High Council, Hedren, is helping out a creature known uh, to everyone, uh, one of the Doctor's old enemies, turns out to be Omega, the Time Lord that gave the Time Lords all their power. He's still trapped in an antimatter universe and wants to escape, but his existence cannot exist in our universe. They make him a little gross with this gross-looking helmet on, and, and they have these like weird-looking creatures that help him out. Gone to those jelly creatures, which were really strange. Uh, Tegan goes to visit her cousin and loses her job. Poor girl. Guess she didn't get there in time, RR. Now, uh, uh, Omega has got her and says that he will let her go if they'll let her exist into this universe. The other interesting casting choice in this episode, Colin Baker plays a character named Maxwell, right? This commander, 
who is given a chance to execute a Time Lord. The Time Lords feel the only way they can stop Omega is to kill the Doctor so that he wouldn't be able to use his body print. How nice. But they don't, of course. And uh, the Doctor eventually, uh, they all end up, I think, in Norway somewhere. And the, Peter Davidson plays a dual role. He plays Omega, and he plays the Doctor. And he used sort of like an antimatter gun in order to stop him. It's a great episode, and it's fun. Is that all? Is that all there is to talk about with Peter Davidson? Heck no. We'll be talking more about him. What's on the horizon? The big anniversary special. Can all the doctors together work together to stop a threat that threatens all of Gallifrey? Can uh, the doctor and uh, his friends uh, get together? What happens when new friends join the crew? And what about the Black Guardian? And what is his uh, play in all this? And the greatest Doctor Who episode ever. Well, at least in my opinion, or a Doctor Who magazine's opinion. I'll see you again on another Anto Knows.